Let's pray. Father, would you give us grace to know your mind? Would you give us grace to be faithful and obedient prayers in the year of 2023? I pray that this pattern that we're setting for ourselves and following biblical prayers would set lifelong habits that would not only change our own prayer habits, but that would fundamentally transform Fellowship Bible Church for good. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of you you are aware of an event that took place on Monday night, six nights ago. There was a football game. It was a much-anticipated football game. The Buffalo Bills were in Cincinnati playing against the Bengals. And about five or six minutes into the game, a Cincinnati receiver was running across the field, and he was tackled by a member of the Buffalo Bills in what was a very normal play that happens in football games all across the country. The man who tackled the Bengal got up. His name is Damar. He got up, and about a second after adjusting his helmet, fell to the ground in full cardiac arrest. His heart stopped breathing, or stopped beating, almost instantly. He had no pulse. He was not breathing. Medical personnel rushed to him, not knowing what exactly was the matter. And in what was a surreal scene, began administering him CPR in the football field. They had to pull out a battery-powered defibrillator unit, and they, on the field, restored his heartbeat. They got him onto an ambulance, and within 18 minutes of the incident, he was receiving uh, emergency attention at the local hospital. It was a profound display of modern medicine and the ability of those teams to get medical attention to somebody when they need it. And praise the Lord, this young man is recovering. His vitals have returned. He's, in fact, FaceTiming his friends and... It's really quite remarkable. While the medics were performing CPR on this young man, and before they had gotten the defibrillator to him, and I don't know the medical terminology, but I think you could say that the young man was dead on the field. Before any of that happened, before they put the defibrillator to his chest, both teams... Players, staff, coaches, trainers, everybody, without exception, without exception, gathered at the middle of the field and knelt in prayer. This teammate of theirs was dying. And far from all their bluster, far from all their machismo, When life hit and life and death were on the line, instinctively, instinctively, those rough men who make a living slamming their bodies into other men hit their knees and prayed. God was merciful and he heard them. God was gracious and saved that man. But there's something in all of us reaches out for the divine when life hits. 
Now, God tells us how it got there. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that God put eternity into our hearts. And once we become born-again Christians, the Spirit of God enters us and begins teaching us how to pray and how to call on God as Father. But if I'm being honest, and if we're all being honest, I think it's fair to say that Our prayer lives, even after becoming Christians, far more mirror the men on the field in Cincinnati six nights ago. That as long as life is rosy and the winds are fair and sailing is smooth, we want to pray, but it's always something that sort of escapes our mind. And then when something hits, that's when we hit our knees. We tend to have to be driven to prayer. And I say that not as a condemnation of any of us. I say that not as a critique of Fellowship Bible Church. I think that is a condemnation of us as a sinful human race. It's usually trial that sends us to our knees. Hopefully, God will use those trials to put into us some habits that change us, that stick with us even after the trial has passed. Well, one thing I want us to do in 2023 is to improve our praying, not only as individuals, but as a church, perhaps even in the absence of a trial. But to be praying in a way that comes far more positively, that comes as a result of studying the Word. I want to see our people praying together and building partnerships with each other, and increasing fellowship with one another. I want us praying biblically informed prayers for each other so that we can begin to see God move and um, change us for good, not only our circumstances, but our hearts. And I want us to be praying for the things that God wants us to be praying for. Now, I, I think I've said I one too many times or three too many times. These are, this is what God wants. God wants this. And so what we're going to do is once a month, the first Sunday of the month, and this got a little bit off with the storm that hit last week, but the first Sunday of the month, what we're going to do is we're going to study a Bible prayer. And then on Mondays, the day following that Bible prayer, we're going to be praying that prayer for our body back to God. Okay? And what better place to begin than the Lord's Prayer? Or, probably better put, and that's how we're titling this sermon, the Disciples' Prayer. Okay, so let's let's just very quickly look at our first slide, our prayer emphasis for 2023. Four times a week, we're going to have a little guided prayer. Mondays, we'll pray this biblical prayer. Tuesdays, we want you to pray for your prayer partner. Wednesdays, we want you to pray for... Wednesdays or Thursdays, doesn't matter. We want you to pray for one of our missionaries. And then on the weekends, we want you to pray in preparation preparation for worship, which we'll talk a little bit about more next week. Okay? Now, let's get to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pastor Dom read sort of the whole section in our hearing. 
But just by way of introduction, let's get a little context here for Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And let's understand that the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that we have right here, that I'm sure all of you have memorized. Okay? It's a prayer that you grew up listening to. You grew up saying in church and so forth. It says right here in verse 9 of chapter 6, it says, and, uh, it says pray then like this. You could translate that literally, you all, therefore, be praying thusly. Okay? This prayer was meant from its very start not to be the sort of prayer that you pray off in a rote sort of way. In fact, Jesus has just got done saying, don't pray that way. We're you're not praying the Lord's Prayer so many times over, there's no superstitional value in it. Right away, Jesus says, I want you to be praying prayers much like this one. I want this type of praying to characterize all of you. When you pray, be praying thusly. So you know, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been teaching large groups of people. And he's just given us a few other instructions on how to pray. He says, Pray in secret. Don't, don't pray as to be recognized by others. Don't stand on the street corner and po- poke your chest out and pray long prayers so that people will think you're spiritual. Don't do that. Your reward is in people thinking you're a spiritual person and no more. God does not see that. God does not regard it. You've won nothing for the Lord in that circumstance. The second thing is don't, don't pray the same things Over and over again, you need to pray with certainty that God is omnipotent and kind. He doesn't need phrases repeated over and over again. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed about it three times. God said, I I, I don't want you to pray about that anymore. My grace will be sufficient for you. Moses kept bringing a prayer to the Lord, and God told Moses, "I, I don't want you to talk to me about this anymore. Now, we are instructed elsewhere in Scripture to be asking, be seeking, be knocking. But I would say there are a handful of times in my life where the Lord has said, Greg, I've heard you, and I I want that to be that. I want you to be content with what I've done. And I say, okay, Lord. And so, God doesn't want us thinking that saying the same things over and over and over again in a rote, repetitious way, earns us anything before God. It doesn't. God hears, God knows, he's kind, he's omnipotent. He wants you to talk to him just like you would talk to anybody else. Now, much like we did in Sunday school this morning, what I don't want to do in our Lord's Prayer here is to dive into the weeds of the text and try to mine out every little bit of nugget of truth because we would be here for a long time. My goal is to hit the highlights of this prayer such you can be praying it this month for the needs of our people. And to do that, we're going to have um, four phrases. One, two, three, four, I'm sorry, five. Okay, five phrases that we're going to focus on, okay? The Lord's Prayer needs to be frequent, okay? And we'll have these points in here, but if you want to take these down ahead of time, these will be our points. Praying this way is frequent. Number two, it's God-focused. Number three, it's familiar. Four, spiritual. And five, collective. Five, collective. Number one, 
the Lord's Prayer, if we're going to pray in a sort of Lord's Prayer kind of way, it needs to be frequent prayer. In fact, I want you to notice right here in verse 9, it says, pray then like this. You might want to circle that word pray and draw a little arrow going forward because it's a present tense command. In other words, start praying like this, be praying like this, and keep praying like this. And the idea is that there's an assumption here that you're going to be praying frequently. He tells us, give us today, today's bread. And then what's the conclusion you should draw from that? That when tomorrow is today, you pray again for today's prayer. And a year from now, when it's today, you pray for today's prayer. There's an assumption here that every day you're coming back to the Lord and asking him for today's provision. Tomorrow, sufficient is the evil for it. Yesterday can't be changed. So pray for today, for today's bread. And Jesus is instructing us to be praying frequently. He's telling us to be praying regularly. And all through this passage in verses 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is assuming that our praying is relatively regular and frequent. Look at verse 5. He says, and when you pray. In other words, he's assuming that you do pray. Verse 6, but when you pray, same assumption. Verse 7, and when you pray. Then he gets to verse 9 and he says, be praying this way. In other words, the Lord just assumes that his children are going to be praying. Now, I think, I think, that's where it becomes very hard for us because we're overwhelmed by what we think prayer should be. Okay? My suggestion is not to try to craft or create a tuck-away time for prayer every day, though that would be very helpful for you, but rather to get into the habit of frequently communicating with God throughout the day. One of the reasons we struggle to communicate with God frequently throughout the day is that we're driving thoughts out of our head with media and noise and other sorts of things that if we would just unplug for a little bit, we would have the mental space to be taking things more frequently to the Lord. And so Paul says, pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing when you have a job that requires concentration? Well, when you get up from your desk to go over here, you ask the Lord to help you with that task. When you, before the start of a meeting that you have with uh, co-workers, ask that the Lord would give you wisdom and grace. When you're walking down the hall and you realize you're going to have a confrontation with a co-worker who's frustrating and difficult to deal with, instead of rehearsing in your mind all the ways that employee has frustrated you, ask the Lord for grace and help and mercy. Frequency is the key to building habitual prayer this way rather than scheduling. Though scheduling is important, it can be very helpful to you. 
I found that keeping a constant dialogue with the Lord is what really helps this frequency build itself up. It becomes habitual then. Number two, praying this way should be God-focused. I want you to notice that the prayer begins with addressing God and affirming his sovereignty. Right here, prayer is to God, about God, for God. It's focused on God. How many of us would say, you know, Pastor, if I'm being honest, when I pray, when I pray, who's the focus of my praying? Oh, me. <laughs> and God says, I want you to, Jesus says, when you pray, God should be the main focus of your praying. Okay? It, the prayer begins this way. Our Father who is in heaven. Okay? It's an acknowledgement that we have this relationship with God, that he's good, that, and then there's this assumption of his position as ruler of heaven and earth. The one who controls heaven controls earth. And so this is a, a nod to God's sovereignty, to God's power. You rule in heaven. You're above me. You're beyond me. You're great. You're gracious. You're massive. You're bigger than anything I can possibly imagine, and you're my father. You're my father. Note also that this means that this prayer isn't for everybody. This is a prayer for people who've been born again, who God has given the right to be children of God, according to John 1.18. You've, you've asked Jesus to save you. You have a new relationship with God, and so you come to him this way. I want you to notice that the prayer is primarily focused on the things of God. Okay? The prayer is primarily focused on the things of God. Look at the very first request. It says, Our Father in heaven, and then we have right here, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, quick check. I don't know. Let's see here. Um, Nathan goes off to work in the morning. Nathan, if, if your wife were up with you, um, and, and you were... You grabbed your keys, and you're about to head out the door. Has she ever said to you, hallowed be your work today, my husband? <laughs> if she did, I can only... Im Kelly, can you please do that and take a video of his response so that I can see what that would be like? Okay, that would be wonderful. We don't, we don't use that kind of language among ourselves. We don't say hallowed. So what does it actually mean? Well, it's, it's from the word sanctified, okay? Or to make holy. Okay? And what, what this is saying is, set your name apart. Set your name apart. And the idea is specialness. My bride is sanctified to me from every other woman in the universe because she is my only wife. Pastor Dom is sanctified to Elaine because of all the other men in the world. He is only Elaine's husband. She, she doesn't know any other men that way. She only knows Pastor Dom that way. It's her husband. Nobody else, no other man gets to call Elaine wife or husband, so on and so forth. And what we're saying is, God, I, I pray that your name would have this sort of special uniqueness in the world, that people would stop looking to other things to be their God and would set you apart and your kingdom apart 
as number one in their lives, and people would start regarding you as special and unique in this world. He says right here, your kingdom come, the kingdom arrives with the king. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what does he mean? The king, the king showed up. So, so what you're praying in this sense is that Jesus would come with power and force into any given situation. That people would regard God as holy and that the king would arrive and expand his kingdom into their lives, that Jesus would reign in this situation, that the king would take over. It says, your will be done. More literally, may your will come about, may your will be. May your will be accomplished. And so right here, there's an acknowledgement that God has a way and his way is best and that's what I want. So you notice right away here in this prayer that this prayer is focused on God, on God's name, on God's purposes, on God's king. Do you see how God is the center of this prayer? And do you see how our chief and central concerns ought to be God and God's purposes? And there's a bringing ourselves underneath of this good and kind and merciful God that we have a wonderful relationship with. Number three, this prayer is familiar now, this is totally lost on us. When I was a sophomore in high school, I joined a, a new school. I made the baseball team. Much to my surprise, before our first game, guys gathered together. We put our hands in here, and when I expected us to give like a cheer and a let's go team, something like that, lo and behold, as a matter of tradition, they prayed the Lord's Prayer in King James English. That was a little surprising from a bunch of good old boys in Georgia, okay? Part of, part of having one of the major disadvantages of having this prayer, especially in the beautiful language that is the King James, and it is beautiful, having that get into our minds is something, something extremely important in this prayer goes missing. Okay? There's a flavor in this prayer that when you start speaking it in the king's English is totally lost, and that is absolute and total familiarity with the Lord. Okay? Notice that the prayer begins with an admonition to address God as Father, not as sovereign, not as king, not as ruler, not as Lord. Not as God Almighty, Most High, Transcendent One, though any of those titles could be used. Not as burning holiness that can't be approached even by angels. Though all of those are right descriptions of God, none of those are what Jesus told us to begin with. He told us to begin relationally, just like you would talk to your dad if you had a good relationship with your dad. How do you talk to your dad when you got a good relationship with him? You call, and when he picks up the phone, you don't start listing off all of his credentials. Maybe I should do this to my dad and see what he says, okay? Although sometimes he listens to these sermons, so maybe the joke would already be out, but I'll try this and report back, okay? Just... Isaiah 63, 15 and 16. For you're our father, 
Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from old is your name. We who were Gentiles now suddenly have this relationship with God. I want you to see from John 12 that this, John 1 12, this Lord's Prayer is not for the world at large, it's for born again Christians. Now, let's read through the prayer. And I want you to see all the times the familiar you is used. Okay? Now, they're there in the original. I don't recommend translating it this way because it would be too clunky. But this is how it reads. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or may your name be set apart. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You give us this day our daily bread. And you forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And you lead us not into temptation, but you deliver us from evil. Do you hear all the yous? Do you hear how none of those are hyper-formal? There's a very strong sense of familiarity that God wants you to cultivate as you come to him. Next, this is a prayer that's spiritual. Jesus encourages us to pray with great confidence in God's sovereignty to our material needs. Earlier, he tells us to pray simply. He tells us to pray knowing that God already knows. He tells us to pray for today's needs. But of the requests that are given, only one of them is for today's needs. All the other prayer components of this ideal patterned prayer are spiritual in nature. Now, this is a rebuke to me because quite often I'm praying for material needs, for health needs, for physical things, for either myself or for other people. And I will occasionally pray for spiritual things. But if I were to follow this prayer as my pattern that ratio would probably be turned completely on its head. And spiritual matters would dominate my praying. And yes, I would ask for help with daily needs. That's, I'm, not saying we're, I'm not saying we're never supposed to ask for those things, but that's supposed to be a fraction of our praying, for those are actually a fraction of our needs. Jesus encourages us to spend the bulk of our prayer on unseen things. God's kingdom coming into the hearts of people and into my own. God's will in this particular situation. That I, he would forgive me of my sins and that I would have the grace to forgive others of their sins as I try over and over again to forgive people. That I would be delivered from evil and that I would be removed and not led into temptation. Do you see how all of these are spiritual components? And Jesus is saying, I want you to mark your pattern and know that it's these spiritual components that are the most important things to be praying for frequently and as you familiarly come to the Lord. Our last point is this. And then I've got, by the way, I've got four examples, and I'm going to tell you, I've written out four examples of how we can apply this prayer to our own praying, okay? The fourth one is that this prayer is a collective prayer. Now, in... 21st century, capitalistic America, this is a challenge. But 
We weren't dealing with 21st century capitalists when Jesus said this prayer, and we could definitely take a lesson from it. Just as I had you listen to the yous, note all the collective pronouns. Let's go back and read through these, okay? Pray then like this. In fact, that even that, he says, you all then, this is all of us, be praying. Our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I used to have a joke with my buddies in school. If I, were, if I went and ate lunch by myself, they'd say, who did you eat lunch with? And I would say, my three best friends, me, myself, and I. Okay? There's no me, myself, and I in this prayer. It's us. It's all us. It's exceedingly collective. It's imperative that we be praying for each other in all these ways. Prayer is a team sport. Not once, I, me, or mine. We pray, this is from Matthew Henry, by the way. This is an old Puritan commentator, and he says it really well. I'm going to quote him. We pray, give it to us, not to me only, but to others in common with me. This teaches us charity and a compassionate concern for the poor and needy. It intimates also that we ought to pray with our families. We and our households eat together, and therefore, ought to pray together. This is a collective praying. Okay. Before we go into a few examples, Fellowship Bible Church this year needs to engage in praying that is spiritual, that's collective, frequent, God-focused, and familiar. On Mondays, for the rest of this month, we're going to be praying the Lord's Prayer for each other. Now the question is, how do I do that? Because I would say for most of us, that's probably a bit of an abstract concept. Okay, How do I take these words and make it a pattern? Well, I've got four examples, and I'm just going to read them with no comment. Okay, So follow along with me. Example number one. This is under the title, Your Kingdom Come, okay? Uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. How can you pray for Fellowship Bible Church in a kingdom come type of way? Well, here it is. Father, please bring your kingdom to the Ogden Valley, North Ogden, and beyond. Would your kingdom manifest itself in the salvation of souls? And then, in, and in the redemption of people, make me and all my brothers and sisters of Fellowship Bible Church, Church agents in the advance of this kingdom. You see what that did there? Just sort of expanded on the thoughts of your kingdom come and made it applicable to our situation. We're praying that we would be agents of that kingdom coming into our lives. Okay. Here's another example. Example number two. 
give us today. This is under the heading, give us today. Give us today our daily bread. Okay? Here's how you can pray that way. Father, I know that so-and-so has some material needs today. Please provide for him or her. And please bless my church family so much that we could be the ones who help him or her through this challenging time. Okay? You find out so-and-so has a medical need, pray that you would bless us so that we can be the primary agents of their help and help them, give them what they need today. Or number three, example number three, pray, this is under the title, As We Have Forgiven. Now this one's starting to cut a little close to the bone. I pray for so-and-so. They were wronged. They were wronged. And are owed an apology that is years delayed. Hasn't come yet. You have forgiven us such enormous debts, and so we forgive the one who wronged this brother or sister. Would you bring repentance to the one who did the wrong? Would you give my brother or sister the grace to forgive even the one who wronged them isn't asking for it. Would you give my brother and sister, brother or sister, grace to wait on you while you work out all things for good in your glory? Do you think that's relevant for anybody in here? Of course it is. Of course it is. And it's bound up right here in the Lord's Prayer. And we need to be praying for each other this way. Now, if a person in our church said, I would rather you pray that I have $50, or I would rather you pray me example number three because I've really been struggling with somebody who hurt me, which do you think they would ask for? Okay. Last one, example four, your will be done. Father, I pray for your will be I pray that your will will be done at Fellowship Bible Church. May we select the leaders of your choice. May we have your mind for the stewardship of our resources. May our shepherds know how to use their time for your glory. Father, so and so has an important decision coming up. Please grant them direction and the courage to follow it. You see how we're asking for Lord's will in their lives? Okay. These are examples. I hope, I hope they've given you enough creative flow to begin to take the Lord's Prayer and pray it the way it was intended to be prayed, as a pattern, rather than as an end that we rotely memorize and say without much thought. Okay? So, tomorrow, Fellowship Bible Church, let us pray for one another this way. Father, would you give us grace to pray this way? Would you give us grace to change our prayer habits in such a way that it would glorify you? Father, set your name apart as holy among us and may your king arrive with his kingdom in our hearts such that the things that are important to you become important to us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.